Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to this week's From the Pavilion podcast. Joe Dorborn was my guest co-host this evening, or this evening or on this week's podcast, because it might not be evening when you're listening. Hi, Joe. Hello, Ollie. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Um, how you been? Yeah, I've been really well, thank you. Good, good. Weather's been rubbish, hasn't it? Absolutely rubbish. Oh, it's been terrible. Like, losing a game last week to the rain and then nearly losing one this week, but we were fortunate enough to get a game in. Yeah, it's just so typical that it's so sunny throughout the whole of, well, what appeared to be the majority of April, and then you crack on into May and the weather turns rubbish. I mean, it's not meant to be good uh, this weekend either, um, which hopefully we don't lose any more games, because I don't know about you, but you start losing a couple and then you're, you're behind the eight ball, some teams get on and, and they're top of the league and, and so many points clear. It's almost like season's over before you've even started. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's a very strange time, isn't it? When you lose a game that someone else plays, it's, it's, especially through the lockdowns that we've had, we've been really looking forward to playing, and then the rain comes and it just dampens the mood. Yeah, it, it's funny as well, because playing on, on Saturday, um, in the last two games I've played, um, well, we've played two out of three, the one in between was, as I think every game was in the county slash country, abandoned due to rain. We've lost both, but we, we seem to be almost like aware of of making sure we lose well or, or lose <laughs> not so well effectively trying to get as many points as possible if that makes sense so like when you're you're creeping up to sort of 160 or, or 200 making sure you get over that line to try and get as many batting points as possible or just making sure you can eke out that one last wicket to try and get as many bowling points as possible because I guess those points are really crucial if you do get a number then called off due to the weather. If you can sort of become the best losers, you'll at least be mid-table, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. I think that's the best way to go about it as well because you never know what can happen as well in a game of cricket. If you just get one or two wickets, you you might lead to four or five and then all of a sudden you're back in with a sniff. Yeah, and that's what we've been trying to trying to do this season and just seem to be aware of it, aware of it a lot more. How have you found the... The whole sort of social distancing, COVID, hand sanitising thing, is, is that all still going ahead? Is it almost second nature now? Yeah, it's just normal now. Every six overs, just have a little sanitise, the hands grouped together again. And I think it really benefits the bowling team, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. What, in terms of having then... a break or the, the actually the sanitiser sort of making its way onto the ball somehow? <laughs> no, no cheating here. Just, um, I think, go over <laughs> being being able to go over your plans again. So being really clinical in what you're doing. Yeah, it's a good point because obviously normally you just have the break. Obviously, other than the general bowler committee meeting, you'd have the um, you'd have the break at drinks, wouldn't you? But but now that being enforced a lot more, and also it gives you a chance to look at the scoreboard, just check where you are, like you said, go through your plans again. It's a great point that the sanitisation break allows you to do, and also from a batting point of view as well. I'd imagine yourself on the weekend. I mean, we go into your game a bit more later on, but in the show but your game on the weekend just making sure you're up with a rate you're up where you want to be and making sure you're at a strike rate that you want to be at yeah it's exactly that when I was batting with Johnny it, we, it was perfect because they kept coming at the perfect time we could go over our plans catch a breath again and then continue our game plan basically no tees as well of course this year or in fact last year as well do you like that? Did, I mean, there's again the traditionalists as we speak about a bit in the show with the bamboo bat story that will always say we want tees. It's part of our our Saturday. 
Um, what do you make of it? I'm a big fan of tea. So Are you? We've of, yeah, we've got one of the best tea ladies oh. going, so I'm a, I'm a bit gutted. Hopefully we can get them back. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I take the view that I, I didn't, don't really turn up on a Saturday to, um, to have tea. I mean, I, I'd quite happily, if they said two minutes break and you're out there again, and it means you finish half an hour earlier and you can go down the pub quicker, that, that'd be me. F- perfect. <laughs> but um, I, I guess it's different for different people. That is the other benefit of not having tea. The games tend to be a bit quicker because normally when you have tea, it's meant to be, I don't know, say 40 minutes or 30 minutes. It does go for an extra five, 10 minutes. Whereas now it's, you know, the innings is done, 20 minutes, get back out there and get the game done a bit quicker. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of getting things done quicker, I reckon we should probably start the podcast. People are fed up of us rambling on about teas and under the rubbish weather from the weekend. Anyway, Joe, as I said at the end of the show, thanks so much for coming on this week's podcast. Really, really enjoyed having you on. If your your form's anything to go by, then I'm sure we'll be getting you back on later on in the year. And, um, yeah, once again, thanks for coming on, mate. All right, Ollie. Catch you soon, mate. Will do. So that was Joe Dorborn on this week's podcast. And here is this week's From the Pavilion podcast. Hope you enjoy it. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Well, summer hasn't arrived yet, has it? What is up with the weather at the minute? (laughs) Hello and welcome along to the local cricket show where we round up all of the action from around the county in Cambridgeshire. This is From the Pavilion and my name is Ollie Slack with you for the next hour. On today's show, well, we'll be rounding up the East Anglian Premier League followed also by the Cams and Hunts Premier League with Eaton Soakins' Joe Dorborn. We'll be asking if cricket bats can really be made out of bamboo instead of willow. Yeah, more on that from Ben Tinkler-Davies later on in the show. We'll also be looking back over the Varsity T20s from Friday. Thank you very much if you tuned in to our ball-by-ball commentary for the men's match. And Joe Dorborn will also be asking his big question. Yes, this evening it is... Will the fact we use the red ball less affect the skill set of seam bowlers in the future? You can head over to our Twitter page at FTPCricket105 to cast your vote and let us know your views as well on the text and the tweets. To text in, you can text in on 07919 070 490. You can email us studio at cambridge105.co.uk or, as I said, we are on social media at FTPCricket105. That's on Twitter and Facebook. Let us know your views on that. We'll also be diverging into the England squad announcement earlier today. James Bracey called back in, as is Craig Overton as well. Great to see him in. More on that later on. And, of course, I forgot the uncapped Ollie Robinson. So thanks very much for tuning in to today's show and also if you're listening on the podcast too I should say if you miss any of tonight's show you can download the podcast on Spotify just head to From the Pavilion or Cambridge 105 Radio Sport or 
on the website cambridge105.co.uk head to the catch up section you'll find us on there somehow so thanks said for tuning in to today's show let's start then by rounding up the east anglian premier league and only two of our local teams play this weekend yes because of the weather it was rubbish again saffron warden and bell and exing were the two clubs involved and against each other as well so more on that in just a bit but let's start with Cambridge as they were rained off at Bury St Edmunds and Sawson and Abraham rained off away to Horsford so let's run you through the table from a, a local point of view Sawson and Abraham third in the table 89 points to their name also at the top of the table Gret Witchingham and Mildenhall both on 89 points as well so there's a, a three-way tie at the top at the minute between Gret Witchingham, Mildenhall and Sawson and Abraham all on 89 points Sawson and Abraham have got Swarston this weekend which is a rerun of last year's cup competition final well let's move on to Bell Exing then and they claim their second win on the bounce after defeating Saffron Walden by five runs on the weekend in a rain affected game shock horror Tom Griffith's side posted 262 for seven off 40 overs Walden were three overs into their innings when the rain returned and was set a reduced total of 216 from 30 overs but they fell six runs short so for the second game running Bell Exing have won and posted 260 60 plus but captain griffiths believes there's a still room for improvement absolutely delighted great to get a win with so such a close game a few spectators as well when we came off said what a cracking game it was really tight all the way through obviously we thought we put on a very good score then rained after three overs of them batting so got their overs got reduced to 30 we always felt in control because they were behind the duckworth lewis but you know, when the, both their openers, as soon as we got both of them out, we thought we were in front of the game, but, you know, very tight at the end, obviously only winning by five runs, but good to get over the, the line at the end. 15 runs needed off the final over, Tom. Who did you trust to bowl it? So Tony DeZorzi bowled the last over, um, had a cracking game, uh, 94 with the bat as well and a little forfer for him, but... Um, experienced player like that you feel like you can put the ball in his hand and he'll back himself to bowl that last over with Jonesy bowling the over before uh, not going for many so we just felt that that was the right person to bowl that last over for us and with regards to the bigger picture Tom the last two victories for your side of course sandwiched in between was a game that was cancelled but the win against Frinton on sea the win against Saffron Walden both times you've posted 260 plus on the board given that was an area where you struggled most last season what's changed over the the course of the winter Tom which which means you're now capable of putting scores on the board I think we've obviously brought in a couple of those players a couple of the players as well took them on upon themselves this year to be more ruthless for their wicket you know make their wicket stand for something a lot of us have been in form as well I think there's still room for improvement put bigger scores on the board and have that complete batting performance. But if we're winning games without it completely clicking, you know, that's only more to come from the from the batting lineup. So Burnlexing up to seventh in the table as a result of that victory. Then if you move further down the table, you've got Saffron Walden in ninth now because of that loss and Cambridge, as I said, reigned off in their match against Bury St Edmunds. So therefore they are down in 
11th place at the minute with no wins to their name after five games. Let's then hear from uh, Southern Warden skipper Ben Harris. It's one win in five for them so far in this AAPL campaign. Frustrating day, both on and off the field with the weather and obviously losing a uh, close game. It was reduced before the start. Then Burwell got 40 overs, then it rained again. And then we got 30 overs with an adjusted DL total. And they probably got too too many runs, really. We gave them too many opportunities, few missed opportunities and kind of let them get away with it. And you can't do that, especially with the quality of their players like Tony DeSori and Joe Tetley, who made us pay in a big way. Um, I think they both dropped or, or missed opportunities around 20, 25, 30 marks. So, and they made us pay quite heavily for that. And then, you know, we needed 10 and over with 10 to go. And unfortunately, we just fell short. They took all their catches, all their opportunities on the boundary. And, you know, that's going to win you games, isn't it? So, um, tough one, but looking forward to next weekend. Yeah, Frinton on sea this weekend, Ben. It's sort of weirdly, albeit early on in the season, looking at the table feels like a, a really big game all of a sudden for you. Not really. I mean, I think it's the sixth game of the season or, or something like that. Feels like that anyway with the rain. Just looking forward to it. It's back to Red Bull cricket. So I think everyone's going to adjust to that. Uh, the weather forecast again doesn't look great. Um, but no, I wouldn't say that. I think it's all, all big games. Anyone can beat anyone, really. So I wouldn't worry about any any position in the table, whether it's up the top or down the bottom um, for any team until, you know, nearly three quarters of the way through and then, you know, see where you are. And as I said to you before, capitalise when, you know, when, when the game's ebbing in your way and when the opportunities come, take them. Um, you've got to be a bit more ruthless and that's, that's just something we need to work on to get over the line. You've got a bit of respite from the league this Sunday though, Ben, because it's the start of the EOPL T20 competition. I guess it's a, a chance for you to free the arms a bit and, and express yourself and if you need to get some players into form. Yeah, looking forward to that. I enjoy T20 format and I think I think the lads do as well. Just a chance to free up a bit. We've got, um, I think we're, we're hosting the day at Walden, which hopefully if the sun shines, it'd be a lovely day. Um, with the bar open, three it's almost like a mini finals day for, for a group stage, if that makes sense. And, you know, hopefully we have two games on Sunday if we can beat Sawson. But, you know, as, as you know, by the, their current league position, they're, they're in red hot form and they're, they're the sides to beat going around. But um, looking forward to the challenge, given, given that it was rained off last weekend. So you know, looking forward to that. Yeah, so it's a return to Whites for the sides in the East Anglian Premier League on Saturday. Burlexing home to Horsford, Cambridge host Mildenhall and as a, a rerun, as I said, of last year's Cup finalists, Sawson and Bobraham welcome Swardston. Ben Harris's Saffron Walden away to defending champs, Frinton on sea. But as uh, Ben said there, it's the T20 comp on Sunday. Now, the EAPL, very nicely, just for us, I believe, put all of our local teams in one group, in Group A. So the other eight teams are split between Group B and C. So the run for the sides on the weekend, the schedule is at 10.30am, Sourcen of Abraham take on Saffron Walden, 1.30, Burnlexing take on Cambridge, and then the winner of each match takes on each other at half past four. The overall winner goes through to finals day. So that really does sound like a, a cracking day of entertainment that. I believe you, you are able to go, of course, because the lockdown restrictions being eased, you are able to, to go and, and watch now, hosted at Saffron Walden, so it sounds like a, a fabulous day. That's a shame, really, that there's only, only one day and not a number of these T20 days um, ahead in the calendar. It's almost like a finals day, isn't it, in, in one day with, what, three matches being played, 10.30, 1.30, 
and 4.30 as well. Sounds like a cracking day's entertainment. So make sure you go along and, and have a look if you're able to. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about the Camden Hunts Premier League now and Eaton Soaking in particular. And to do that, we're joined by Joe Dorborn, their gun all-rounder. Joe, thanks very much for coming on the show. Evening, Ollie. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm brilliant, thank you. Good, good to hear. You were in a pretty good nick on the weekend. Let's uh, run through the match. 105-run victory for yourselves against Foxton in the Camden Hunts Premier League Division 1. And, uh, well, I don't want to make you blush, Joe, but you scored 72 off 58, strike rate of 124 coming into bat at, at number four. And if that wasn't enough, you picked up a, a couple of wickets as well from six overs and just conceded the five runs. So you must feel in good touch. Come on. Yeah, I can't complain with my <laughs> personal form. Um, but, I mean, batting-wise, Johnny and uh, Matt put on a brilliant uh, start for us. We were... I think we were near enough 80 for none. Then we lost one quick wicket. And the platform was perfectly set up for me to go in and have a bit of a dart with the bat and see what happened. <laughs> very, very humble. What is it like, Joe? Come on, give me the secret. How, how is it possible to bat and bowl that well together? To be honest, it's probably just from pestering Johnny to throwing more balls at me constantly <laughs> in the nets. I think that's the only thing I can put it down to, really. The Eaton Soakins Ben Stokes, to be honest. What so you, you say? You say um, lo, a lot of nets, a lot of practice. How have you found this season so far, or perhaps the pre-season more so? Because lots of discussions we've been having on the show so far has been around that. In that last year, because of the lockdown, we had lots of time to net and, and get ready. The season didn't start till July. This year, for some players, it's felt a, a little bit rushed. But but clearly for you, it, it's obviously on paper. It looks like it's going really well. Yeah, I think we, we've started training with a really good intensity. So I think everyone's been looking forward to it and really been getting stuck in when we have been training. So I think that's been really good from the club. And uh, are you a sort of person who likes to, to net regularly? Or, or, or can you quite easily not net for ages, walk in waltz out to the middle and, and <laughs> hit 72 or 54? Uh, Bowling-wise, I can probably get away with it a little bit more. But batting, I need to hit balls. Otherwise, I just wouldn't be any good. I just have to hit as many as possible. Now, last time you were on the show, Joe, I think it was um, it was last summer, in fact, and we were in lockdown. We were doing our old lockdown podcast. And uh, it's fair to say, well, I say lockdown, it, I think lockdown was just sort of easing because I think it was the day after... I can't remember whether Eaton Soak and yourselves were involved in a one of the sort of village cup competitions or a, a big game of the season anyway, but the... Um, it was the first time the pavilion reopened, and clearly you'd had a few, you had a few jars, let's say, Joe, the the day before, and 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 it'd been a lovely sunny day. How are we we were feeling all okay today, though. We're, we're all okay because pubs did reopen yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I remember that quite well actually. Yeah, <laughs> do you? But, um, Surprising. Yeah, yeah. Today though, I've just been at work, so it's been a nice calm day. Good, but but on a serious note, how nice is it to have? things open up now and, and like the pavilion, like people being able to, to come and watch. I guess we are getting towards normality, aren't we, slowly but surely. And um, how nice is that feeling? Yeah, it's brilliant, especially like on Saturday, there's a few older people that haven't been able to come to watch games for quite a while. So they were really excited being able to come over to Foxton which, and watch a really good game from us. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? It's, it's so nice to... For, for those people as well because obviously we're, we're involved and we play and, and we're just delighted to get back out there and, and get back out in the middle and battle bowl or whatever it be <laughs> feel for some people but um, but yeah I think I think it is nice for those people in the local villages to to come out on a Saturday and watch and, 
and have that sense of community, that routine that they're used to on a Saturday. So really nice to see. And, and like I said, with the, the APL T20 comp on, on Sunday, hopefully it'll be nice for for them to uh, to welcome fans back to, to Seth and Walden and, and see some people around the boundary watching watching the game. We'll chat more later on, uh, Joe, about Eaton Soken. Uh, but after the break, we'll be discussing a story that's been in the news of late that bamboo bats apparently uh, should be considered uh, to replace willow bats. Of course, traditionally, for so many years now, cricket has been used with willow bats. But should, should willow bats be replaced with bamboo bats? We'll be joined by Ben Tinkler-Davies in just a little bit. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. You're welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Thank you very much for tuning in. And if you're listening on the podcast too, we'll be debating Joe Dorborn's big question later on. He joins us on today's show from Eaton Soak, and we're debating it around about 10 to 7, which hopefully on the podcast should be around 50 minutes if you're, you're listening. And Joe's question this week is, will the fact we use the Red Bull less nowadays affect the skill set of seam bowlers in the future so that's available on a poll on our twitter page at ftp cricket 105 so make sure you head over there and uh, and vote for it we're also on facebook as well at ftp cricket 105 on facebook as well easy as that so make sure you get in touch you can text in your views as well 07919 070490 is the best way to do so if you want to get in touch right then let's um talk now as I said, we were going to before the ads there, and uh, researchers from Cambridge's Centre for Natural Material Innovation believe that the sport should consider making bats with bamboo instead of willow. Ben Tinkler-Davies, who published the study in the Journal of Sports Engineering and Technology, joins me now. Ben, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Ollie. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? You well? Yeah, all good. Enjoying the uh, somewhat sunny and rainy day. Yeah, it is mixed, and it much like the the weather throughout the whole of the cricket season so far. Much to our, to our frustration. Um, let's talk about the the bamboo bats then. How how did this all come about, Ben? How, how did you discover this and, and get into this in the first place? Yeah, so um, I worked with Dr. Darshal Shah, who represented Thailand under 19s, and you know, like like many of your listeners, I would have played I played cricket at school for many years. So. In my fourth year of engineering, I thought, you know, this is a really good opportunity to do something I really enjoy, which is the cricket side of things, and also combine it with science and the materials engineering. So we were really saying, okay, Willow's been used for 200 years, and it hasn't changed at all. We thought this new material, an exciting material in bamboo, is there a possibility that that could replace Willow as a more sustainable alternative? So this is what we looked into, and the results we found were really quite exciting. You know, we found a much more sustainable and eco-friendly material while also having much higher material properties. So it means it makes a better cricket bat at lower cost. So, so what are the, you mentioned some of the benefits there. What are the, the other benefits other than, than, you say, just the sustainability side of things? Yeah, so in a bamboo, you know, cricket blade or the bat, you're looking for a stiff material that's lightweight. So the stiffness really helps the ball fly off the bat so when you play a nice cover drive you transfer all the energy into the ball uh, and that's one of the main positives that we found is that bamboo is significantly stiffer than willow so this means that when you when you play a shot you're going to feel the ball go off the bat at a much higher speed as well as this we did some computer simulations so we 
we got it in, got the cricket bat into a into a simulator and, and tested the coefficient of restitution or how bouncy the bat is. And what we found was the sweet spot, so where every cricketer's dream is the middle of the bat. For a bamboo cricket bat, it's wider and longer than that of a willow bat. So this means you've got a greater margin for error when you're playing your shots. That sounds very useful, very useful indeed, Ben. That does, especially to, well, to to me and and well, I'm not going to offend any of the cricketers at the level I play, but certainly I do. <laughs> it's nice to hear. Um, but I, there'll be some purists, Ben, who will say, well, it's not aesthetically the same. It won't look the same. It won't sound the same. What's your response to that? Because inevitably, with with cricket and well, most sports, but probably particularly cricket, you're always going to get people who would sort of poo-poo the idea. Exactly. I mean, we have had people questioning, saying, you know what, it's just not the same. It's not Willow. And we say, you know, that's fair enough. Um, but we took it to the Nets and we gave it to some, some Cambridge University players. And they said, you know what, we can't tell the difference. So we took it into the lab in terms of the sound. So we took it to the lab and said, OK, let's test that out. And we looked at the frequency of the sound. And the sound of Willow on leather or Willow on bamboo, which is what the purists might have to get used to, is exact, is almost exa- exactly the same. So, yes, you're right, it doesn't look the same, but for all other purposes, it sounds exactly the same. You know, when Dennis Lilly walked out with his aluminium bat, it was groundbreaking, but ultimately was banned. But we feel that we've got a material that is much closer to willow than it is for aluminium. So we think we've got a new material, which, yes, the purists aren't going to agree with, but, you know, they wouldn't, they didn't like DRS, and look how that's turned out. Mm -hmm. So... I think we've really got a a product which could change the way that cricket cricket is viewed and help it develop into the less developed regions of the world. Honestly, any any downsides, any negatives to it? So, of course, there's going to be um, downsides, and we're still at very early stages. But the bamboo is up to forty percent heavier than the willow, so that's something that we're going to look into refining and so reducing the weight of the bat. But that's kind of another advantage in that because you've got to make the bats thinner. We're again using less material, so for the same volume or the same weight of bamboo and willow, we're creating much more bat, much more bats than in willow in bamboo. Sorry, than we are in willow. So once again, it's kind of a check in the bamboo's box. Yeah, yeah, I see. <laughs> Nigel's been in touch on the on the text and probably thinking the same line as me. Can I have one of those bats? He says, please. Probably thinking more down the the larger margin for error. <laughs> what about the environmental? impacts advantages disadvantages of this because nowadays batsmen and women have well four five six bats you see if joe root breaks his bat at lords this summer he'll be he'll be calling someone on and they'll be carrying five or six out to him exactly so you know it all goes back to the the life cycle of the bat so we grow our willow in the uk we ship it to india we manufacture it in india and then we ship it all the way back home so for joe root's bat to come to get him to lords it's gone from nottingham in the uk flown to india flown back, driven to Lords, and it's there. Whereas with a bamboo cricket bat, it's grown in India, so right next to the factories. So for a single bat, we're cutting out a vast majority of the emissions because you no longer have to transport it from England to India. It's already right by the factories. So for any cricketer who uses one bat, or in the professional's cases, multiple, the emissions saved by using a bamboo cricket bat really is quite vast. If you want to 
get in touch and let us know if you want to use a bamboo bat <laughs> or uh, <laughs> or you'd be willing to try one. 07919070490, the number to text, at FTP Cricket 105 on social media. Just quickly, Ben, because we are running out of time, I, I picked out a quote on, on the report online that read, bamboo could help cricket expand faster in poorer parts of the world. H- how could this happen? Yeah, it's a good point you make. So what we envision is that the bamboo material is really fast growing. You know, it takes a third of the time as willow. So in these less well-developed regions such as India or Thailand or China or Malaysia, which are up-and-coming nations, they just don't have the resources to compete. So we're providing with them an alternative uh, material that they can use in their cricket mats. So instead of having to spend hundreds of pounds bringing in cricket bats from um, willow cricket bats, they can grow, manufacture, uh, and play with cricket bats in their home nation. So that's really what we see is that nations which aren't as developed as your England and Australia superpowers, but are just kind of getting into the game, it's really a new avenue for them. And just very quickly, is it like to happen? What is the next step? Are we going to see a player like Dennis Lilly, for example, Ben Stokes walk out, Ben Stokes walk out with a <laughs> a bamboo bat in his hand. What's the sort of process for for these bamboo bats to take over the world? Well, dream scenario is Ben Stokes walks out this um, this summer and scores a century <laughs> at Lords. But um, no, I think it's uh, we're going to have to start having conversations with the the MCC and building more prototypes. So hopefully, you know, I would love to see I'd love to see a player walk out in the near future. But you know, it's a, it's a long process and we've got to really win over a lot of a lot of critics and a lot of purists of the game. So I do see a lot of potential, um, but it's not going to be in the next few months, sadly. Ben, thanks so much for your time. It's been fascinating. Thank you very much, Ollie. Ben Tinkler-Davies there from the University of Cambridge who published the or the study of the Journal of Sports Engineering and Technology there about bamboo bats and how they could potentially replace willow bats in the near future. Joe Dorborn from Eaton Soakins with us on today's show. Joe, what do, what do you make of this this story around bamboo bats replacing willow bats? From, from, what, from what Ben was saying, that it seems that there's lots of plus points to it. Yeah, I think as long as there's enough research and proof that they're as good as a willow bat, I don't see why not, to be honest with you. I think the game's evolving, so why not keep going? The, I guess the rules for the, the MCC, I don't think there's any restrictions on weight. I might be wrong there, but uh, there are restrictions on, on the dimensions, of course. It's 4.25 inches for width, 2.64 inches for depth, and, and 1.56 inches for the edge of the bat. Now, of course... If these bamboo bats can be made a lot thinner, I guess therefore the how far batsmen are willing to take it, they, they, they probably might go, you know what, we'll have it the same size as my current bat and it's going to be that much heavier and therefore I'll be allowed to hit it even further. So they might, of course, have to adjust the, the restrictions on bat sizes again with regards to width, depth and edges to determine the advantage that batsmen may get over, over bowlers. And inevitably... You'll always get people push the boundaries with with these with these rules. Joe, out of interest, how many bats do you have? I've got two bats, but one of them's on their very last legs, and that's what made is me it? get a new one. Is it? Yeah. Oh, so that you're you're 72 on the weekend was with your new bat. It was indeed. Yeah. There you go. It's not not too bad then. And and the the process of you know, knocking it in and, and and using it in the nets is that has that been fairly stress free? <laughs> Yeah, well, luckily enough, one of our overseas players has done it for me as he's oh. not been working. So whilst he was in quarantine and early in the season, the Daniel done it for me. 
I bet his neighbours were delighted. The joys, though, of, uh, of playing at the, the top level in Cambridgeshire, you can use your overseas pro to do it. I'm not sure if I ask one of my mates on a Saturday, could you knock my batting for me? I think they'd uh, tell me where to shove it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Joe, more on, as I said, more on yourself, Eaton Soken, Cams and Hunts Premier League later on in the show. But up next, we'll be talking about the varsity from the weekend. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. We'll also be debating Joe Dorborn's big question two around whether the fact we use the red ball less and whether it'll affect the skill set of seam bowlers in the future. Head over to our Twitter at FTP Cricket 105 to cast your vote in a poll we've got running. You can also get in touch 07919-070490 on the text. Right then, on Friday. Uh, the varsity fixtures took place at Fenners. Three T20 varsities, I should clarify. 10 o'clock, Cambridge University Crusaders against Oxford University Authentics. That's the reserve men's match. Then at one, it was the turn of the ladies as Cambridge University first team women took on Oxford University first team women. And then the men, Cambridge University first team men against Oxford University first team men at four. Starting with the reserves, they restricted Oxford to 75 for 9. Added Rajiv getting 5 for 7 from 4 overs, so a cracking spell that is. Cambridge chased it down with 17 balls to spare, losing 5 wickets. And it did get a bit nervy at one point. They made a little bit of a dog's dinner of it to start with, 31 for 5, but managed to win, which was the most important thing. Moving on to the women, and Oxford hit 146 for four off their 20 overs. Cambridge were behind the rate for the majority, but did have hope whilst the inform Emma Jones was at the crease. She recently hit 200 in a 30-over match, so she's in cracking form, but she was dismissed for 63 when Cambridge were 32 runs short of Oxford's target. And in the end, it was a 25-run defeat for the Light Blues. And we spoke to Joy Lisney, the captain, and the assistant coach, Will Dobson, after the game. I thought we actually were going to win until maybe about the 14th, 15th over it started to hang in the balance. And I think it was actually in the balance until the last three three or four overs. They had a very good over. At one point, they, they bowled a couple of really tight overs, and that changed it quite a lot. And I, I think obviously they got the big wicket as well. Mm. And and I think we said at the beginning of the game, if, if Emma if Emma Jones is, is batting at the 20th over, we'll win this game. Mm. And she very nearly made Actually it. She didn't quite did. carry about, but sort of heading heading in that direction. Mm. How, how crucial is Emma to to the side? Well, she's she's been really crucial to the side. I think we. We do actually back pretty deep as well, though, and I think that she can be most effective in our side with us all playing around her and us all doing our doing our, our kind of part. It's not a case of just one person has to perform and then, then the game's sort of done. Although T20 in general can be a bit like that. But yeah, as, a, as an opening bowler and gun bat, she's, she's pretty key to our squad. And I think she has the ability to hit the ball incredibly hard, yeah. which, which obviously is, is, you know, A, it's fantastic, but it makes a big difference in women's cricket because she can clear the boundary consistently. And it was just a shame that she couldn't quite see us home today because I think if she'd been there at the end, we would have won and it would have been a different different feeling right now. <laughs> We've got some more varsity matches uh, coming up, I think, over the next uh, next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. We are playing our 50-over varsity match at Wormsley on the 28th of June. So that will be spectators will be allowed. So we're looking forward to that a lot. And I think the the 50-over format will suit our team really well. And we've beaten Oxford once this season, lost to them once this season. So 
I think that will be the final kind of test. We'll see what happens. Your own personal preference, Joy, do you prefer the uh, the, the 50 over format or uh, is, there sort of, is there sort of a buzz of excitement out of T20? I think I do prefer the 50 overs, <laughs> but it, it, the T20 is pretty fun, especially on a ground like this, and if, especially if we did have spectators. Julian Clover asking the questions there, our host for our commentary on Friday at Fenners. So finally, it was the turn of the men, and here's a reminder of how the action unfolded if you forgot to tune in on Friday. <laughs> The Boers provided a light blue victory in Ely almost six weeks ago and we'll be hoping for the same outcome this afternoon in the first of three varsity cricket matches this summer. Hello and welcome to Fenners. Uh, thank you so much for joining us as we bring you ball-by-ball ball commentary of the men's T20 varsity match between Cambridge University and Oxford University. Looks like Cambridge have won the toss and have decided to bat. Brilliant start at that from skipper Nick Taylor. Long hop outside off stump and he has dispatched it away through the covers and to the fence. Fisher coming in for the final ball of the over. Full length that time, driven to mid-off and out. Oxford strike first and get a wicket early. The pressure was building on Huyon. Foster comes in again, then that's a good length ball, and, and he's bowled him. Oxford get another wicket and get another wicket early on. It's the captain, it's Nick Taylor. Cambridge 10 for two after six. Definitely Oxford's power play for his, for his blood to them. Shots, there he it's is. It's a lovely shot from Ranamin, just back of a length and cut away for four. His field of mood and the ground completely changed. Mingar bowling second over, right Shot. on leg spin, and it's oh. gone in the air. There's a fielder out there on the boundary. It's going to be very close. It's gone for six. And that's the 50 up for Cambridge in the 12th over. Mingard bowls, and again, oh, it's in the air this time, and taken. So Cambridge struggling to get up over the three-figure mark at the minute. Turner came forward, almost took it off his... Well, he put his head right by down by his feet, and then... Kind of shot you hit in the nets, and you... Uh, do you? Great about it. Well, I don't. I don't, oh, I don't. One, one might hit in the net. <laughs> I wish they will. I wish. <laughs> but Will Barker for Oxford. Right arm around to the Dandy Seniak, and he's bowled him. He's bowled him first ball, and Barker's on a hat trick. Cambridge, 101 for seven. So Oxford chasing 102 to win. Straight away, <laughs> second delivery. It's not so like a strikes. It's uh, Hargrave who ballooned it to short cover. Aaron Amin is starting to bowl again now from the Gresham Road end in a good length ball. Hit away, and that looks like that's going over the rope. It is for six. It's absolutely massive. Biggest, biggest six of the day. Amin again now. It's a good length ball, again. and he's six gone again. again. Is it another six? Yes, it is. What a shot that is. Back-to-back -back sixes for Oxford and Tom Nodder. It's 50 for Tom Nodder. Excellent innings. Match-winning knock. And they know that the game's probably up, which is it's never nice to see from the likely point of view. Krasinski in balls again Sharp, and uh, Mohamed has hit it over the top and that is the six that Oxford University needed to win this varsity T20 here at Fenners. Yes, a shame about the result on Friday, a cracking day, and I uh, really hope you enjoyed the ball-by-ball -ball commentary that we brought you on Cambridge 105 Radio and on our YouTube page as well, the live video stream. Just to run through the scorecard then, Cambridge men, they were first team, they were 10 for 2 after the power play, limped up to 101 for 7 after 20, and Oxford chased it down with ease. Well, that's how Tom, no Tom Nodder 
made it look anyway, scoring an unbeaten 64 of 32 to claim a nine-wicket win with 49 balls to spare. And I caught up with light blue keeper batsman Ed Hyde after the game. A bit gutted about that. Fair play to, fair play to Oxford and, and Tom Nodder there. Really good display of batting and hitting, but we didn't adjust well enough with the bat early on. It was a low and slow pitch, and a lot of our batsmen aren't big hitters are going to clear the ropes. So I think we should have realised a lot sooner that it was going to be a case of running ones and twos real, real hard and getting a bit more 360 of our shots behind square, dabs, scoops, like we saw at the end from Sam Turner. So yeah, a really disappointing afternoon there. What did you make of the week? Because it's had obviously a couple of games on it before yours, the women's and their reserve again this morning and in fact a few more over the past few days as well. What did you make of the surface? I wasn't surprised to be honest given the amount of cricket it's had on it and we've and we've we've experienced similar wickets to that over the past couple of months playing here. So I think we could we just need to be a bit sort of a bit sharper I think with with uh, assessing that wicket and maybe we'd have we could we would have added 20 20 or so runs but hats off to Oxford they're much stronger on the day here. Yeah. What were the, the batsmen coming back out from being in the middle, the, the guys getting out, coming back in, in in that first innings? I think after the power play you were 10 for 2. What were those guys saying to you when you, when you were just ready to go out? They were saying that it was really, they, they were finding it really difficult. Um, it's difficult to get underneath the ball, despite what we just, we just <laughs> seen there. And yeah, and, just, and the, the Oxford guys are bowling pretty pretty tight tight lines and lengths. So yeah, we weren't expect, we soon realised we weren't going to be setting a massive score. But I still felt we just went. We went too long trying to trying to biff it and 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 things like that. When maybe we would be better inclined to, to be a bit sort of wiser and and use our sort of sweeps and reverse sweeps and and run a bit harder. But that's in hindsight. If you catch a few Tom Nodder there with a short boundary, then it looks great and it comes off. So it's diff it's difficult to assess after the match. But I think that what I've just talked about there, we can. Uh, take forward in, in in the years to come if we're playing here at Fenners and the parks and Oxford's very similar wicket as well so uh, it's not dissimilar uh, to this and we're always gonna, the, the, the Blues always play last as well so it's something to take forward and next year and you've got nine days now until the, the match at Lords obviously not in the field that wicket will be like yet yeah, but it's such a quick turnaround how do you try and get the boys back up again ready for that big fixture at Lords I don't think it'll be an issue I think if anything it'll probably be a bit of extra motivation getting absolutely crushed today um, um, a few of us in this team have been here before, being crushed in the 2020 in close proximity to the Lords game. So we sort of know, well, we've, we've experienced it before and we're not phased by it, really. Uh, we use it as extra motivation and it's a, it's a big week ahead in terms of practicing and, and sort of uh, assessing their players. We've seen them play now. We know who we're going to be playing against largely. So, yeah, looking forward to it. And just lastly, is the today's game irrelevant in a sense because walking out of Lords is such a different environment to this anyway. I think so once you get once you get to Lords and, and you feel that sense of occasion you know what you've done beforehand quickly flies flies out the window. There's there's always that sort of sense are oh, they beat us they've beat us before so I think it does have a bit of relevance but yeah I think the occasion at Lords does does take over and it does probably cancel out some of the some of the mental advantage they've got from from today. Ed, commiserations and go well in nine days' time. Cheers, Alec. Thank you. I love that phrase, looking to biff it. I've never heard that before. Anyway, the men will be looking for revenge on Sunday, the 23rd of May, for the 50-ever match at Lords. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. 
Yes, the cricket show here on Cambridge 105 Radio from the pavilion with me, Ollie Slack. Joe Dorborn from Eaton Soken joins us as well. Joe, let's talk more about the Cams and Hunts Premier League Division 1 then and uh, and yourselves on the, the weekend. As I alluded to earlier, it was a 105-run victory over Foxton. Foxton won the toss and elected to field. You posted 245 for four from your 45 overs. Jonathan Carpenter was 74, captain's knock, and as we said earlier as well, yourself in red-hot form, 72 runs from 58 balls, eight fours and two sixes. So getting to 245 for four, and then you bowled Foxton out for 140. Just to run through the table, Histon lead the way on 92 points. Then following them up is Eaton Soken, Foxton, March, making up the top four playoff spots. Then you've got Wisbeach, Stamford, Ramsey, Cambridge, and Cambridge St. Giles and St. Ives Town and Warboys currently occupy those two relegation spots. So, Joe, as I said earlier, it was a cracking win for you boys on the, the weekend. Season so far, two wins, one loss, and one abandoned due to rain. Second, nine points off Histon at the top, so I presume you're pretty happy. Yeah, we're pretty happy with how we've gone, to be fair. Um, I think it was a little slip-up in the St Ives game because we had them 120 for eight, I believe, chasing 220, and we took our foot off the gas a bit. So, we, you know, that's our own fault, that game. I mean, they batted quite well, but really we've bounced back from that quite well and we've, you know, we played Foxton and played really well as an 11, as a team, and uh, got a good result there. Aims for the season to to be competing at the the top end of the table, and, and obviously, I presume, given your form over recent years, to get into that top four, those playoff spots. Yeah, absolutely, definitely try and nail on nail the top four and try and win it. Obviously, so we get home advantage. What what do you make of the those playoff spots? That system, the format. Do you like it? Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. I'm a big fan of the playoff system because I think it gives people in the mid-table a lot more to play for come the end of the season so you know they can sneak in from being sixth or seventh place they could sneak into fourth but in the last game which makes it really competitive yeah definitely gives everyone a everyone a chance doesn't it and keep everyone interested to towards the end because if you're not in those top four spots you're probably worried about the teams over your shoulder and, and relegation just to run through the results from the weekend then just to clarify Wisbeach Town defeated Cambridge twos by at 95 runs. Eaton Soken, as we said, defeated Foxton by 105. Histon thrashed March, beating them by 10 wickets. They look like the side to beat at the top of the table. And Ramsey beat Stamford by 26 runs as well. So the teams not involved in action were Cambridge St. Charles and uh, St. Ives Town and Warboys. Uh, with regards to... Oh, sorry, sorry. before we move on, I was going to talk about England before we move on, Joe, your kit, I mean, whoa, that's got to be, what, the nicest kit on the circuit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Chris, <laughs> Kite cr- cr- Cricket have done a really good job for us with the kit this season, it does look brilliant. And it sort of sort of bleeds into the topic we're going to discuss, discuss earlier in terms of red ball and pink ball, but happy playing pink ball, I believe, aren't you, this year? Yeah, playing pink ball, so I think we've got one more Saturday with the pink ball and then it turns to red ball for nine games, I believe. I see, which of course provides you with that balance of skill set, which we'll, we'll hold off for now. We're going to talk about that in, in just a bit. So then, the England squad has been announced today ahead of the two Test Match series against New Zealand, which starts on June the 2nd. Uncapped 
Gloucestershire batsman James Bracey's in, Sussex seamer Ollie Robinson's in, and also there's a recall for Somerset's Craig Overton. Uh, Josh Butler, Chris Wokes, Sam Curran, Moen Ali, Johnny Bairstow have all been left out after recently returning from the IPL, and Ben Stokes and Joffre Archer are injured. So the squad is the batsmen, Joe Root, Rory Byrne, Zach Crawley, Dan Lawrence, Ollie Pope and Dom Sibley. James Bracey and Ben Folkes are the keepers. I've popped Craig Overton in as an all-rounder because other than that, there really aren't any. And then James Anderson, Stuart Broad, Ollie Stone, Mark Wood, Ollie Robinson and Jack Leach as the bowlers. Thoughts on that, Joe? Who would you be liking to see line up then in England shirt come the first test against the Kiwis? I'd like for them to give Ollie Robinson a go. I think he's really deserved a crack. I think he's been brilliant over the last few seasons. So I'd really like to see him get given a go. But I'm not sure how they'll line up with either four seamers or you know, three seamers and a spinner. Yeah, it's difficult to know, isn't it? Because I say Craig Overton is, is probably really the only all-rounder. And even then, he's an all-rounder for Somerset. But at test level, maybe obviously more more earring on the side of a bowler. Um James Bracey and Ben Folkes, the two keepers, would you be, I mean, I guess it's, it's safe pair of hands, both of them, but a safest pair of hands is probably Ben Folkes, but it would be nice to see James Bracey get his first cap. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about him, hasn't there? He's done really well as well, but I'd still like to see Ben Folkes play as, I think, the best keeper, and I, I maintain you should play your best keeper as well. Even when Butler and uh, old Johnny Bairstow come back? Yeah, I'd still like to see them folks play. And are you are you thinking full strength for New Zealand? We've got to go out there with the squad we've got. We've got to pick our best eleven and win it for those conditions. Again, presuming it's going to be typical English conditions with the weather we've had at the minute. Or are you thinking, well, hang on a minute, we've got what a few months to go until the Ashes. I might be wanting to put an Ollie Stone in there, a Mark Wood in there, because they're going to be in my starting eleven when it when we we head down under. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because English conditions, you probably want to play people that are going to get the best out of it. But then do you want to prep for when we go there? It's, it's a difficult one. So I think they probably will go with either Ollie Stone or Mark Wood. And to be honest, I mean, it, sitting here saying it's English conditions, if the if the pitch is, you know, pretty firm and, and depends where they're, where they're playing the matches, of course, but if the, if the pitches are pretty firm and... And slightly harder than they might go with one of the the pacier, pacier seam bowlers. It's difficult to, to judge. And of course, you've got the the T Twenty World Cup coming up this year as well. Does that at all come into your thinking, Joe? Or, or are you then starting to confuse yourself even more when you're sort of crossing formats? Yeah, I, I tend not to be worrying about that. I think just worry about Test cricket whilst we're playing Tests at the moment, and then worry about that later on. Yeah, lots of talk, isn't it, about rest and rotation. It's it's a, an odd year, an odd situation. Of course, Ed Smith, national selector, has been relieved of his duties. So Chris Silverwood now taking over the those responsibilities, as well as obviously looking after the senior first team matters. Let's move on then, Joe, to your big question, and I'll give you the honours. What was it? It was a how the, how the seamers' skill set's going to different or uh, be different with the red ball compared or lack of red ball cricket now we're, we're mainly playing pink ball cricket yeah so will the fact we use the red ball less affect the skill set of seam bowlers in the future as a absolute gun all-rounder which you proved on the weekend i'll let you have first dibs go on what, what do you reckon because you asked the question yeah well i think from a personal point of view it's actually made me run in a bit harder with the pink ball because i know 
with the red ball, I can bowl at probably 80% and get away with it because it's moving about a little bit. But with the pink ball, if I do that, I'm not getting any movement and it's cannon fodder. So it's made me running a lot harder for the first three games this year. Is, is that a positive? Do you like doing that or would you prefer to rely on perhaps the, I don't know, maybe more skills of your wrist and, and the same position with the red ball? No, I think it's definitely benefited me. I think it's been much better from a personal point of view that I'm running in hard, I'm getting more out of the surface and I'm I'm hitting the deck a lot harder than what I would be if I was just bowling with a red ball. So I'm happy. So, so when you're at the start of your run-up and you've got the pink ball in your hand, compare that to when you've played over years gone by with a red ball in your hand at the start of your run-up. Are you now, with a pink ball in your hand, less concerned about the placement of the ball, where your fingers are going over the seam? Are you less worried about that now than you would be with a red ball? Um, it's probably more about where I'm pitching the ball. I'm trying to hit the wicket a bit harder, probably a yard or so, a bit shorter, so they can't just lunge on the front foot and pl- put their hands through it. So I'm trying to find that in-between length a little bit more. Whereas with the red ball, I'd be pushing it up there, trying to get them to drive at it. So, so does it sort of change? It's almost more, more goes into, I guess, white ball cricket in that I often think when I watch white ball cricket, generally you rarely see, unless you're bowling up top or, or towards the back end and you might get a Yorker, and you rarely see an absolute Jaffa get a batsman out. It's usually forcing the batsman to make a mistake. Yeah, that's exactly it. We've found that this year that it's building pressure and making them make a mistake rather than actually bowling a magic ball that hits the top of off. Yeah, it, it's such an interesting question. And I guess you'll have to balance the answers to this with what's best for the game. So it's all... all well, sitting here saying, yeah, because if you look at our poll on Twitter, it's conclusive, you know, conclusive in the way that people do think that the fact we're using the Red Bull less will affect the skill set of seamers. It's a, a really high percentage up to a, yeah, 100% of the minute. So you've got to tailor that with what's beneficial for the game, I guess, in that if we just you know, chuck kids Red Bull all the time and, and give them and give them a red ball and, and they learn the skills of that. Yeah, they'll be great bowlers, but equally, as I think, as, as you allude to in the question, Joe, if we're playing pink ball, white ball cricket all the time in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, it's not really going to be too much use to them. Uh, it, no, it's a really difficult question because before probably this season and last season, I was, I was red ball all the way. But now since the start of this year, I'm turning towards the pink ball as a bowler because it's making me be on it all the time and there's less room for error so I think people as a bowling unit we have to be 100% on it all the time which I think actually benefits us as bowlers and I think it makes us improve a bit more and and just quickly Joe are you therefore as well I guess as the the shine which little there is or the swing little there is you know it goes away from the ball early on are you then moving to your cutters your slower balls your variations a lot a lot quicker I think during the middle overs, yes, but we've played on wickets so far this season that, that it's still offered enough off the seam. I know it, it doesn't do as much, but because it's been early season and a little bit damp, it, there's always been a little bit in it. So we haven't had to go to cutters too early on. Mm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a great question. So interesting. There's a debate that will rumble on into the night. If you want to get in touch at FTP Cricket 105 on social media, please do so. And, of course, it brings into the debate around skill set. What skills will you need? As I said, what format will we be playing in years to come? What's best for the kids now? May not be best for them in the next few years. It's such a great question. Joe, thanks so much for your time tonight. No worries. Thank you. So that's all we've got time for on this week's From the Pavilion. Thank you very much for tuning in, or if listening or have listened 
on the podcast too. If you're listening live and you want to listen back to another bit or you missed some, then you can download the podcast. Just head to cambridge105.co.uk, click on the catch-up section or search for us. Or you can find us on Spotify, we're from the Pavilion, or find the links on our social media at FTPCricket105. Thanks very much for all our guests for coming on this week's show. I'll be back next week, in fact, every Tuesday at 6 o'clock on Cambridge 105 Radio until the summer is out. Uh, well, actually, no, until uh, until the, the last Tuesday at 6 o'clock in uh, September, and then we get bumped off for, for someone else. <laughs> but anyway, thanks very much for, for listening to this week's show, and you'll hear me again next week. Until then, stay safe and well. Bye-bye. <laughs>